Welcome back to Deeper Conversations. My name is Mason West, and this is a podcast on deeper conversations about devotion and community and living a life with Christ. And today I have the honor of having Hunter Bowers on with us today. He is a senior here at BU, but also one of our root discipleship leaders here on campus. So we have a thing called Root Groups, um, a part of a thing called Roots Initiative, in which we promote a lifestyle of being rooted in Christ and rooted in community, um, and that being our discipleship initiative. So um, welcome, Hunter. Welcome, Mason. How are you? Doing great, man. Excited to be here. It's awesome, man. Well, I kind of just wanted us to talk. We just uh, bounced back off of a Sunday night thing with our Elevate community called our Roots Pop-Up and really just promoted in that time this lifestyle of being rooted in Christ and rooted in the Word and rooted in devotion and rooted in community and what that looks like fleshed out throughout the college experience, throughout the experience for Gen Z, throughout the experience of who we have in front of us now. And I think these conversations cannot be stressed enough that they're needed. Um, they're needed Absolutely. to to continually promote all the things that um, God is already doing in the earth today, but doing specifically with our generation. Mm-hmm. And so what has been your experience about being a part of helping? Because really, you helped us start when we, when we started our Roots Initiative and our discipleship um, curriculum and small groups here on campus in a new way. We've had things before, but when we decided to make it under one blanket of a big discipleship initiative, um, what was your experience joining and being a part of growing something new with discipleship in college? Um, for me, it's been life-changing, and, and I don't say that lightly mm-hmm. in, in trying to sell it as an advertisement or anything along those lines. Mm-hmm. For me, Roots genuinely changed my life and mm-hmm. that it helped me grow in my faith while also being able to pour into the lives of other people. That's good. Yeah, I like that, and I, and I think that's, that's simply said, but also in a beautiful way, we, I've watched how, like, it's one thing being a part of the conversation. It's another thing leading a conversation. Mm-hmm. And so what would you say that through that process has helped you grow a lot? Uh, it's definitely helped me as far as jumping in and, and learning more about Jesus and his qualities and mm-hmm. then also just from his word. I know that there were a lot of questions that my Roots group asked me that I didn't know the answer to. Mm-hmm. But in not knowing, it gave me an opportunity to spend time with people that were like-minded and mm-hmm. growing in our knowledge of That's Jesus good. and the Bible. That's so good, man. And what is discipleship to you? You know, I think that a lot of times we we have this um, view of discipleship that whether we were a part of something that was either very forced or very just not authentic and not true, um, what is discipleship to you and what have you come to know through Jesus' model of discipleship? How has that changed your life and how do you want that to change the life of others? Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, I want to answer the, the first part of the question. So, like, what is a disciple? Mm-hmm. Um, I know a lot of people go back to this, but John chapter 8, verse 31 mm-hmm. and uh, 32, it says, Jesus said, If you hold on to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Mm-hmm. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Mm-hmm. I think a disciple is somebody that abides by Jesus' words and continuously believes and walks in obedience to him. So good. And, and making him the Lord and 
the, the master of your life. And, and I think as for disciples, and especially uh, discipleship leaders, mm-hmm. trusting and obeying in Him is a test to disciples. Mm, so good. Mm-hmm. Dude, I love that because, again, we, we tie it back into the relational aspect of our faith. Like we mm-hmm. <clears throat> live in a context in which we have a invitation into a real and authentic relationship with God. His chair almost just tanked on. <laughs> wiped out. <laughs> but, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, we have an opportunity for real and authentic relationship with the creator of the universe. Now, how that is fleshed out through um, a lifestyle of being discipled, but also discipling others, is how we see that context translate into one another. Mm-hmm. And that's the beauty of discipleship to me, Absolutely. is that we're not just living in these these islands to ourselves when it relates to the relational aspect of our faith, but when we come together, we see this amazing mosaic of how God is moving in a generation. I think, you know, some of the most powerful communities started with small groups. Some of the most impactful areas um, that, that we've seen grow in faith, and whether you call it a church community or whether you call it just a, a historical revival or something of that nature, some of them either either started with a Bible study group or a prayer group, yeah. one of the two. And I would venture to say that those should always be married together as well. It's not just this time of spending in the Scriptures with discipleship. It's time and prayer together. I heard a mentor of mine tell me one time, uh, you're the closest with the people you pray with. Mm-hmm. And that is that has stood the test of time in my life, mm-hmm. but also... Um, the challenge that people have brought me in relationships scripturally that has pulled me deeper into why do I believe what I believe mm-hmm. and what is my firm foundation in this. And that was really the big heart behind why we started our specific discipleship initiative here with Campus Ministries here um, at Bluefoot University, but it was also just a message to our generation from this place of like, hey, our lifestyle as Christians should be one of being rooted in devotion, community, and Christ. Mm-hmm. So, again, those things could be very broad, but also they're very specific in nature. Devotion, being locked into a lifestyle of the Scriptures and prayer. Community, um, being around like-minded people and keeping in check your surroundings because that, in a lot of the ways, is going to make the difference of where you go in your walk. Mm-hmm. And then three, making sure the firm foundation of your life. It's last, but it's its first. It's actually the last yeah. is it definitely not the least. Right. And it's making sure the firm foundation of your life is in Christ, mm-hmm. not anything else. And so I think for us that was what painted a beautiful picture for um, an understanding of what Jesus means by a discipleship model mm-hmm. of, of, hey, this is follow and, and even as Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ, like mm-hmm. that reality. Yeah. And so um, what would you say would be some keys of like this discipleship in any sorts, whether it's small groups, just one-on-one relationships, they have to, it has to have these factors in place to really help each other grow, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, absolutely. Definitely the two things, and, and everybody's probably heard me say this, especially if you talk to me about Roots. Uh, mm-hmm. Vulnerability and accountability. Yeah, those are those are two of the biggest things. And I actually have a note here somewhere. Uh, yeah, James five, uh, chapter or James five verse sixteen, and it says, "Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other, so that you may be healed." Hmm. I think um, th- now that speaks into vulnerability, but I think 
as a roots leader or even a discipleship leader or even just being a disciple in mm. general, it's some of the hardest work, but some of the most essential things that we can do for discipling others. That's good. The vulnerability that we have with others says, you know, I understand that, you know, we're, we're walking a path and we're trying to be like Christ and Christ was mm. perfect. We're, we're, that's our goal. That's what mm-hmm. we're trying to get to. Mm-hmm. But if I don't show you my faults, mm-hmm. how, what good am I doing? To you? Yeah. And especially as somebody that's struggled with things mm-hmm. and, and trying to help somebody that's in those times now, how, yeah. how am I helping them by hiding that from them? Right. So. No, I love that. And I think, again, uh, we live in a context in a society in which leadership models are built off of egocentric mentalities. Preach. When really... At the end of the day, the way Jesus led was with full authenticity. Um, now, we know with Jesus that he was tempted in every way, but he did not sin. And we live in a context in which we are tempted in a lot of ways, and some of us do sin. But the principle is still the same, and it's leadership from authenticity. Mm-hmm. It is servant leadership unto transformation. Yeah. I don't think any other leadership model can lead unto full transformation, mm-hmm. in my opinion. You can read many different leadership books. You can read many different models. Um, and if you're trying to start a small group out there, do not start by a domineering leadership attitude, mm-hmm. but from a place of serving your community, from a place Absolutely. of serving the need in your community. Jesus never left a situation without serving the need. Mm-hmm. And 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 many times uh, he met physical needs even before he met the spiritual needs. He met um, these practical needs before even answering the big questions. But underneath meeting that practical need, he was answering the big questions that I'm here to serve. Mm-hmm. And when we carry that mentality to the people that are around us and to the context and the space that he's put us in, we learn to make space for his leadership, mm-hmm. for the way that Christ would lead. But also, we surrender to we surrender all the space around us for it to be made his again, for it to be made, this is God's space to do whatever that's, he wants to good. do. And this is, and no matter who I come in contact with, no matter who's a part of this, I think that's a big part of small groups, of creating atmospheres of discipleship, is making sure for, for that the first place and the first priority is that whatever space you create for those people, it's his. Mm-hmm. It's not your own. It's not the way you think that's going to pave the way. It's the way he thinks that's going to lead people to transformation. And that's so many times I feel like where small group and small group models and um, discipleship initiatives go wrong is they make it about a a domineering mentality of you have to do what I say and this is the X, Y, and Z, and these are the, the steps you have to take. While there should be steps and while there should be some quantitative approaches to to seeing how people are actually growing, I think the more thing that you need more than anything is an atmosphere that values the presence of God first. Absolutely. And not only the presence of God corporately, but the presence of God in individuals' lives. And then being able to mark moments in their life and help them mark moments in their life in which they really truly met God Mm -hmm. and building from there. Mm -hmm. Because you cannot build except but on the firm foundation of Christ. Yeah. If Absolutely. if they if they labor and they're building outside of him, it's in vain, you know. And so, I think it's a big part of leading others in yeah. those in those Absolutely. aspects. And, and I want to add on that because one of the things that you said was really good, uh, like talking about like domineering mm-hmm. that mindset. Mm-hmm. 
even with Jesus in his risen state, had mm-hmm. absolute power, but mm-hmm. he didn't always take the power, mm-hmm. right? He had full control, mm-hmm. but he didn't always take control. Mm-hmm. That's where being a servant came in. Mm-hmm. He had the opportunity to mm-hmm. say, okay, well, you know, I'm Lord of all, you do this. But mm-hmm. he, didn't. he gave us the option to love mm-hmm. him. He loved us to the full capacity anybody could ever love, mm-hmm. and he gave us the option back saying, you can love me because I loved you. And what makes us think that that we're under any less of a standard, right? And and any less of a of a um, of a path or a choice or a way of, of of approaching others in our interpersonal relationships in our lives? It's like I think so many. The beauty of loving others is that it's a choice. The beauty of leading others yeah. um, in love is that it's it's one of the best choices you could ever make. It's not on, it's not just the best job you could ever have. Mm-hmm. It's the best choice you could ever make. Yeah, so um, we view com- uh, Christ's commands as um, as rules rather than invitations. Everything he said was an invitation on a journey, not just a rule to bog down our schedule. Like, if we can change our perspective that he, yes, he is Lord of our lives and what he says goes, but it's not just in the form of this is the set thing that your schedule should look like, but this is the journey you should be on throughout your life. Humility on that process is what will lead us to true holiness. Humility on the process of serving Christ's commands is what will lead us to true holiness. And that applies to our small groups. That applies to to discipleship initiatives. Gathering so people good. to grow in Christ is that we first have to have first... Um, one of the values that we need to, to, to put in place is that it's not knowledge that leads to holiness. It's not a... <clears throat> sorry. I um, don't know what's going on in my throat right now. No, I've, I've had a rough weekend. We were singing all weekend. But uh, it's not knowledge that leads people to holiness. It's not forcing people into things that leads people to holiness. It's humility mm, that invites so people into a place in which they truly see that the Lord is holy, but also that they're called to be holy as He is holy. And so that's good. I think that's such an ins- important thing as it relates to discipleship because we can easily be so upset by the results yeah. like that we're saying of oh that person's not where we think they should be but really the measuring stick is is never where we think things should be it's always Christ's standard before us that we invite others into and we keep uh, before other people's eyes that it is an invitation yeah. and it can change the rest of your life unto a transformation mm-hmm. nothing that anyone forced me to do led to true transformation mm-hmm. But something that someone invited me to that I never expected to change my life is really what led to full and complete yeah. truth and awakening and, yeah. and, and really revival in, in, in a lot of the sense of what revival really means. Revival is not a set of services. Revival is a lifestyle, a family in Christ, a lifestyle of literally understanding and seeing Christ all around you in your everyday context of life. And so no, that's really I love good. it. Mm-hmm. And so... Uh, yeah, what other what are some other thoughts you have just on discipleship and and what the importance is for us to to make sure that we are making disciples? Um, one one of the big ones I know I already touched or touched on it a little bit like vulnerability, but mm-hmm. then that also leads to accountability. Mm-hmm. As a leader in a group, there is <clears throat> an accountability. In in Galatians six verse two, uh, it says, "Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ." Mm-hmm. Carrying each other's burdens goes so much beyond seeing each other on Sunday and shaking mm. hands at the door. 
Yeah. It goes into day-to-day battle. You so know, good. Jesus calls us to pick up our cross so good. And, and to lose ourselves, mm-hmm. right, in the pursuit of him. So good. And in doing that, having that accountability, when we stumble, we have that mm-hmm. community that we can go to. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I, I'm struggling with this. You know, is, is there a way that you all can help me? Mm-hmm. And I will say it's not easy to learn how to do. Mm. especially from somebody that has been formed by culture coming mm. into Christianity. Mm. It is so hard because we're always taught, you know, be secluded, read, you know, read a self-help book, you'll be fine, mm. right? But, but true vulnerability and true accountability mm. is where we get so close to Christ mm. because we're living in a community and, and being a part of a community that all has the same mind and goal, that's and that's good. the heart of Jesus. That's good. No, I love that. I love that, that really what... You know, you could wrap up into what you're saying is that accountability is unto unto unity, mm-hmm. not unto uniformity, mm-hmm. but unto unity. So many people make accountability about you should be like me, mm, and you should think by me, mm-hmm. think like me. Um, and I met a lot of people that you tried to hold them in a, accountable in an area that they don't invite you into, and you cannot do that. But but the reality is, is if you are keeping the truth ever before you, it'll be natural that accountability comes unto the right things, unto unity in the faith, unto unity in Christ. And so I think some people use accountability as a manipulation tactic Absolutely. and not a, this is where we're going in the faith, understanding. Not a, it, Accountability is not unto a, a uniformity approach, but it's unto a reformation of all things, of like, hey, culture will tell you to think like this, but this is what the Scripture says. But we don't approach the conversation like that sometimes. Sometimes we're just like, we just want to prove people that they're wrong. Mm -hmm. That's That's never the way that Jesus ever approached anything, and that's never the way that most of our our forefathers in the faith approached anything under true transformation in towns, cities, areas, generations. It was always about, I'm holding you accountable in this area. This is what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to the church of today. Mm -hmm. Unto reaching the full stature of Christ, unto reaching the full potential that God has for us. And if that's not the progression in which we we lead our moments of accountability, then it's just selfish. It's just, you know, it's self-seeking, it's self-supporting. Yeah. Definitely when we're leaders, because that's something if you're if you're listening to this and you're a leader, it, it, you will be presenting many opportunities to manipulate people to think like you do. Yeah. But you that, that can never be forced at all. You have to lead people to the truth. You lead them to water for them to drink. You even sometimes take the cup, but you don't do the drinking for them. Mm -hmm. You don't do the consumption for them. You don't do the... They have to partake of that themselves. What they put into it, they'll get out of it. Um, I was talking to this this morning with our leadership chat of just like, hey, like this is the deal. I'm a firm believer in the fact that there is such a thing as positive reinforcement and and, and reciprocated response in, in areas. What, and so what that means is that literally because I think these are facts that happen through relationships in life, it is true, the statement that what you put into things, you get out of things. Mm-hmm. And if we're not willing to put all of what we know from what God's done into, in our lives into our relationships, then are we really getting what we really need to get out of those relationships. And I think many times we approach discipleship in which we want people to depend on us and we want this codependency culture to be created when really it should be always unto 
helping them know the one who is actually who can actually give the answers, who who the one is that can actually give the source. Yeah, absolutely. We're just a deliverer of the source. We're just mm-hmm. a deliverer of the of the devotion. Mm-hmm. But it's not unto us having all the answers. Mm-hmm. It's not unto us being the ones who fully have it all together yeah. and us having all the pieces in one puzzle. And I give freedom to anyone who's listening to this that is venturing into that season of their life. They're learning what it's like to step up as a leader of a small group even mm-hmm. in small ways, but also maybe in big ways you're leading a group or a youth group or whatever that looks like. Do not create a culture of co- codependency on you as the leader, but create a culture in which people are finding the true source of life. People are finding the true meaning and purpose of what we're all here to do anyways. Yeah, and and I got some advice for all those people looking Mm -hmm. to become a leadership. Mm -hmm. Listen to understand, not listen to answer. Mm. Jesus is the answer. Mm. If we can listen to understand people, then we are better fit (laughs) to be there for them. I love that. Accountability and vulnerability will fall into place if you listen and understand the other person. So good, dude. No, I love that. I think you're, you're absolutely on point with that. I think, again... If we, I think if we could wrap a lot of this up, discipleship is a divine invitation. Mm-hmm. When Christ called people to follow him, mm-hmm. the beauty was in the invitation. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> like we missed that the beauty of the situation was most of the time in the invitation. And it was never unto shame. It was never unto condemnation. It was always unto to true life and, and, and healing and restoration. Yeah of all things. And again, I say this all the time, and, and I might have said it on this podcast a time or two, but I truly believe in this. I think we need to understand that when Jesus called Peter out of the boat, he didn't call fishing stupid. Mm-mm. He said, let me show you how to really fish. Mm. And so, like, Woo. again, like, I think that is what discipleship looks like. It does not look like going to people and saying, what you're doing is wrong, you need to listen to me. You need to. You need to. It's a, it's the opposite opposite of approaching people with love and humility. It's going to them saying, "I see why you have the desires you have. I see why you have the motivation you have. But let me show you, show you <laughs> where to truly direct these heart desires. To truly lean in with these things. And, and especially in these four years of college, if we can, you know, if if we as Christ followers can ta- have really authentic and vulnerable conversations with a generation that says, I know why you have that desire. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about it. I know why you have that 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 passion. Let's talk about it. I understand why you like TikTok. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about it. Again, we, we in the faith shy away from those conversations a lot of the times because we see the issues with those situations yeah. instead of actually seeing the source of why people get themselves into those situations. Mm-hmm. Jesus, when he talked with the woman at the well, he did not first approach her many husbands in the conversation. How many times as Christians do we, that's the first thing we think about. The first thing Jesus thought about was offering her a drink. Mm. Like that, that is the opposite of our mentalities as Christians these days. So and, and, but if we would align with this, this, this servant leadership mentality that Jesus had of like, listen, like I, I, he, he understood while she was at that well. Mm. And then he said, 
uh, well, the funny thing is, is he didn't even offer her a drink first. He actually asked her for the drink. True, very true. To start the conversation. And, and I think it's also good to point out that she wasn't at the well during a time of the day right. that was normal for people exactly. in that time. Mm-hmm. She didn't go with all of the, mm-hmm. the other women or you know whoever mm-hmm. was going to pitch water for yep. that. She was there by herself because mm-hmm. she had been secluded because of her situation. Mm-hmm. Even in her seclusion, mm-hmm. God met her there. Yeah. Jesus met her there. And how many times, again, and, and that's, I'm so glad you said that because that points into this next area that I'm going with it, is like, what would a, an invitation into discipleship and, and, and a lifestyle of discipling others as we've been discipled, um, making disciples, what would that process look like if we first were willing to start a conversation that had nothing to do with addressing their issues at first, at first, and then we we go into this next phase of actually offering them something. Mm-hmm. Some of us first don't even get past that first point of starting the conversation, but others of us definitely don't get past that second point of willing to offer somebody else something when we don't agree with their lifestyle. Again, we live in this secluded place as Christians. We live in this isolated place as Christians, these holy huddles that do not offer anything to unbelievers. When, when the fact of the matter is, is that Jesus distributed things. He distributed and multiplied things mm-hmm. so, it could, so people could come to the true knowledge of God. And the reality of this situation is, is many of us don't even get past that second point of offering them a drink mm-hmm. and saying, like, let me give you something I have. Mm-hmm. And then he goes into a, even a deeper conversation yeah. in which she asks him questions. Yeah. And, and I think it's important as leaders mm-hmm. and, and even disciples to understand that that's how culture trains us. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, that comes straight from culture. 100%. Culture, if, like the way I envision it, right, is if you have your hand out, right? Mm-hmm. If your hand is open, you're open to receive something. Mm-hmm. You can grab it freely. Right. If your hand is closed, you can't grab something from mm-hmm. somebody else. In, in saying that, culture has taught us to hold on to things tight. Mm. Hold on to the best parts of yourself so that we can judge you for the worst parts of you. Mm. Jesus Dude, is good. the opposite. He asks you to open his hand. He doesn't come and force you. He doesn't pry your fingers open and say, take my blessing. He says, follow me. Mm-hmm. I have blessing for you that you don't even know. Follow so me. good. It, it starts, like you said, it starts mm-hmm. with just asking for a simple drink. It starts with the conversation. Mm-hmm. It doesn't start with the resolution. It starts with the conversation. That's so good, man. No, I love that. I think there's a lot of key points in this conversation of what it's like to create a culture of discipleship, but also in that um having the right mentalities of going about uh, discipling others. Mm-hmm. And, and I think those are very – this is a very authentic conversation, and I'm, and I'm grateful for your place in it. So yeah, thank, thank you for having me. Yeah, this, man. This has been awesome. Really of course. Cool yep. Well, Hunter, thanks for being on Deeper Conversations. And, yeah, thank you guys for joining. Uh, keep updated with us as we post things in the future with our um, Instagram. Our tag is at BU underscore Campus Ministries and be looking for more content in the future. But thank you, Hunter. Hey, thank you. Okay. I want to say one last thing. Mm-hmm. Hey, everybody that's listening, Jesus love you. Devil's a liar. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Love it. All right. See you guys. Thanks, guys. Bye.